Let us pray. Christmas Day, the whole world celebrating Christmas. What a joyous, wonderful thing on the one hand, but so sad on the other. Because so many people are celebrating something and they have no clue what the real meaning is. They do not understand the story of Christ. Santa, gifts, Christmas trees, shopping, all of these things, Lord, has replaced this amazing story that we find in the Gospels. Your story. We come to you this morning and we thank you, Lord, for coming to this world. We come to you this morning, O Lord, and we thank you that we may know your name and that we can connect with you by just saying good morning, Lord. And know that you, as the God of heaven and earth, are listening to us. We thank you, Lord, that you provided for us to have the scriptures in our hands and that we can read this story. We thank you, Lord, for giving us your Holy Spirit to be with us and to help us also understand the things that you yourself said. We know we are not alone, and that's the most important thing, because you are with us in this place. So I ask, O Lord, as we're going to think a little bit about you, that you will help me and guide me through my words, that what I will say will be from you and not from me. Bless us as we come together as your family, as your children, on this Christmas day to bring you glory and thanks for coming to us. Amen. So I was quite young when I started to learn about titles. I remember that my mom and dad started to read me a book. And in this book, there was a story and there was a king. I had no idea what a king is. No idea. That's, that's, I'll get to him and that guy in a moment. But I heard about a king. And I asked my parents, so what is a king? They said, well, that's like a big ruler of a country and whatever. So I, I got to know the title of a king. And now we know this guy is also a king. Now, now if I would dress up like this, it will be a really a Halloween gone wrong story. But he's allowed to dress up like this because he's a king. That's his title. And the word title actually means a name that describes someone's position or job. But I'd learned not only about a king or a queen when I was a child. I also, when I went to school, learned about the principal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I knew when the principal guy called you to his office, it didn't really uh, mean uh, good for you at that point. And as I grew older, I learned about more titles. That guy with the blue light behind you that you say, sorry, officer, I didn't mean this. And there's a title for you. And then later on, as I continued through life, I discovered that, that titles can be very important to people. You know, some people really want to be a CEO, the chief executive officer of a company, or the CFO, the financial officer of a UFO. No, not a UFO. I'm just saying. <laughs> But, but all of these titles are really important. Then at some point I discovered, but all of us have a title in a sense. Because a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife actually also tells us what you do in a sense. And how your life is in a way arranged. I was paging through the Bible a while ago and I, I saw this phrase. I was actually reading through the book of Revelation. I saw the phrase, the son of man. And I thought about that for a moment, and I realized, but that is a title. That is a title that Jesus claimed for himself 
So, the title Son of Man is used no fewer than 192 times in the Bible. 108 times in the Old Testament, and then all the others in the New Testament. Matthew 32 times, Mark 15 times, in the Gospel of Luke 26 times, in John 12 times, and then in a few other places, like in the book of Revelation. Never in any gospel did anyone refer to Jesus as the Son of Man, except twice when they sort of accused him of something. They said, you say you are the Son of Man, but he always used that title for himself. So if this title is so important for Christ that he used it for himself constantly, I thought to myself, then I needed to go and discover what this title says about who he is and what he came to do. So it must probably say something about his job description. Now, let me just say this. It's Christmas. So I did not really plan on doing a huge, a huge theological, theological thing here today. I can actually preach about this for a week long because it's so rich and so fantastic. So you are going to get a summary. I don't want to keep you too late because I know that lunch and the dinner, all these things still needs to happen. But for an example, you find the title Son of Man in the book of Daniel. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, that's God, and was led into his presence. In the book of Revelation, or another one, sorry. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Revelation, that actually was the piece that spoke to me. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write in a book what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Theathera, Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see whose voice it was, that spoke to me. And on turning in the midst of the lampstands, I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe, with, white golden, with a golden sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white as white, as white wool, white as snows. snow. His eyes were like flame, flame of fire. His feet were like burnished, burnished bronze, refined as in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of many waters. His right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining with a full force. The Son of Man. Three things. It's a godly title that teaches us something about his humanity. We heard something about this when they lit the candle, and uh, we, we, we heard what was said when we did the Christ candle thing just a moment ago. But let's think about it for a moment. Louise and I were walking last week, and um, we talked about, talked about my sermons and stuff, and stuff I had to do last night. And he said to me, this coming to world thing is always a bit strange, isn't it? God is the God of the universe. If, if you look at the images that we see now from all these telescopes we have in the sky, James Webb and all the others, 
then I am humbled to think that is the God I believe in and the God that you believe in who created all of these things. Couldn't this God just decide to resolve the issue about sin in a different way than by doing it in the way that we now know it happened? So, so we talked about it for, for Mary to have a birth. There's a child born, and we heard it a little bit uh, earlier. And there's a baby now crying, and he's, 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 he's in need of food. And at some point, they didn't really have diapers, but the cloth had to be clay changed because he dirtied himself. He's a baby. And tender hands would lift him up and have full control of this child. You know how vulnerable a child is. But holding in their hands the hat, the Son of Man, the Son of God, God himself, himself. He probably got a cold at some point. He bumped his knee. He hurt his toe. He lived in a village like all the other people, and he heard about people that had somebody that died. He had friends that probably mocked him a little bit and laughed at him. In the Apocrypha, there are stories about certain things that happened that's not in the Bible that concern Jesus' life when he was young. That, that's okay, but you can read them. But he was a normal child like all the others, and then he grew up to be an adult, and he started to follow his story when he turned 30. So probably for all the years until the Lord was 30, he worked with his dad. He was just a carpenter, and he was doing normal life things. Why, I asked myself the question, would God decide to do it this way? God decided to do it this way, not for him, but for us. God decided to step into our world because we didn't listen to all the other options that he gave us. The Lord himself told the parable of the king that sent somebody to his vineyard, and he said, go and tell my people this. They didn't listen, and he sent another one. They killed that one, and another one. They killed one. At some point, the, the king said, I need to send my son because that's the last option. Hopefully, they will listen to my son. Will we listen to an angel? Yeah, maybe. But it's way easier to listen to someone that looks like you, that smells like you, that have lived the life like you have lived. When you sit with someone that has lost someone, and you have lost someone, then there's a connection. Louisa and I, many years ago, went through a bit of a trauma. She had a miscarriage. And, we, and the doctors told us before we wouldn't have children. And then she fell pregnant, and then she lost the child. And a week or two later, another woman in our church had a miscarriage, but on a way later term, way deeper into her term. She was totally depressed. I remember I sat next to her in that hospital, and, and maybe for the first time I could understand, because two weeks ago we went through the same thing on a Saturday evening, before I had to preach about joy on the Sunday morning. But I could sit next to her, and I could for the first time understand, because there was a connection. We went through two weeks ago. Maybe that's why Jesus came, to open up this connection, because he knows. When you lie in bed at night and you do not sleep, can't sleep because you're concerned, the Lord says, I know I've been there. He wrestled with his dad when he had to walk towards the cross. He was born in a manger through a woman that you and I may be able to relate to someone that understands. The second thing about this title means is that he's the um, one that shows us humility. People are so proud. 
People always want to be recognized in some way, shape, or form. It's always about me and my story and how important I am and what I've accomplished maybe in life. Here is the Son of God on this planet. <laughs> He's on a ship and there's a storm and he says, to the storm, shut up. And the storm just lies down like a dog that you tell him to sit. Uh, that's the image I have. You know, I had a dog that was really obedient. I would say, his name was William. William, sit. <laughs> he would sit. That's how Christ spoke to the weather. Stop it, sit. <laughs> that's the authority he had. But what did he come to do? To wash feet. To serve. To heal. To put his arms around those that are in need. To come to people that are lost. To a broken world, he brought healing. He came to serve. Not only by washing feet, but eventually to give his life, and that's the ultimate. And Paul writes this. He says, if you give your, or Jesus himself said this, he says, uh, to give your life for your friends is easy, but to your enemies, that's way more difficult. And Jesus came and he gave his life to enemies. But why this story for us? Not only because we need to be saved from sin, but because Jesus came to give us an example of servanthood. It's how to serve. How to serve people we do not like. You see, that's the problem. Is that it's very easy to serve people and to help people and to care for people that we care for. But those people, you know who those are. Those that we do not like. To be kind to them. To be gracious to them. To look at them with love. To bow before them in a sense and to wash their feet symbolically. It's the example that Christ asked of us as the Son of Man because He came as the example of who mankind should be. The third one. It shows us His godly identity. So there are two phrases, titles in the Bible. You've got the Son of Man and the Son of God. The Son of God is looking down. The Son of Man is looking up. Same person. Son of God looks down from above towards us, who we are, and how small we are. The Son of Man stands with us, and he looks up at who God is, but he's also God. Son of Man comes to tell us that we are worshiping a God that is God. Even though he's my brother, he's my friend, he's my father, he needs my respect, he needs my glory, he needs my worship. And therefore, I thank you for being here today on this Sunday. I was surprised how many churches canceled worship service. I don't read anything about Christmas in the Bible, but on Sunday a lot, and on worshiping. And that's what we should do, is when we have opportunities to worship our God, because he's God and we are not. Son of man, we have a God that came to us that we may know the heart of God. Why this story? You see, if we didn't have the story of Jesus that became one of us, we would have never known who God is. We would have never known that God actually cares, that God is actually someone with emotion. Because in the Bible we learn that he, He's upset about us, and then His heart is broken, and then, then He has joy, and, and that God is actually someone that gave us the fact that we can have emotions. Without the Son of Man that came to this world to be one of us, we would never be able to 
fall on our knees and say, my dad, who are in heaven, help me. Help me. And know that he understands because he's been here. Why did this whole section in Revelation speak so much, spoke so much to me? I love this book, and I'll probably do a series on Revelation again later this year, next year. But this section starts with John standing, and then he has this vision of these seven lampstands. The seven lampstands are the churches, the seven different churches. Seven because it represents the church, all of the church, not only those different congregations, but all of the church. Church of the Lakes. But it's not this building. You are the church. All of us, as we believe in Jesus Christ, we are called to be the church of Christ on this world. John hears this voice like a trumpet. That's always an announcement in the Old Testament. Trumpet would declare something big. Then he turns around and then he sees someone like the Son of Man. Jesus. Among what? The lampstands. And then he sees him in his robe and whatever. And that's not for today. That's for later on. But where is Jesus? He's among the lampstands. He is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And therefore, when you sit in this church and I greet you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, know this and believe this, that Christ himself sees you and knows what you are wearing today. He's here. That to me is the most amazing thing when I wake up every morning and I... You know, we wake up at 6, 6.20, the reason I'm saying 6.30, sometimes 6.35. We are on the roads. It all depends on how cold it is now. I can drag my body out into the cold. We go for our walk, and every single day I look at the sky, every day, and I say, thank you, Lord, that I may see this blue sky and have eyes that can see color. And here I am, this small thingy on this huge planet, and I know what? I know that you are looking upon me. Not because I'm special, that's because you are God. Because you are God. He's among us as his children. Why must I fear today if I said hi to the only holy, amazing God this morning? And he said to me, you're my child. Why can there be fear? There can't be. Because he's mine, he's among us. He walks with us. That's what he does. He walks with you and me. On the I-4, in our office, 408, wherever you are, sitting at your computer, he says, I'll walk with you because I'm the son of man. I became one of you that you may know me. Your biggest gift, and you know this, Jesus, who came to stand with us and to look up. Amen.